My name is Chris Davis and welcome to Model Office's Science of Compliance 14th podcast, where we are showcasing that governance risk and compliance doesn't need to be as painful as a visit to the dentist or getting your tax returns done, but can support sustainable and profitable practice. In this episode, we're delighted to have Aviva's Director of Platforms Propositions, Mike Hogg, and Platform and Fintech Integration Manager, Tim Walton, discussing how an industry-leading platform provider can enable firms' professional practice. So, let's listen in. Hello, and here we are on our 14th episode in our Science of Compliance podcast, where we aim to debunk myths around compliance being a business prevention unit to show how compliance can enable your business to not only survive, but thrive, particularly now through turbulent times. In this episode, we welcome and are delighted to have on board Aviva's Director of Platform Propositions, Mike Hogg, and Platform and Fintech Integration Manager, Tim Walton, to better understand their practical experience in building a successful platform business against the backdrop of increasing regulations and market risk. Hello, Mike. Hello. How are you today? I'm great, thanks, Chris. Nice to be with you. Good. Good, absolutely. It's great to have you on board. And hi, Tim. Yeah, hi, Chris. How are you doing? Yeah, good to good to connect again. Um, just a quick question for our listeners, really. What I like to do is kind of put a face to the voice, if you like, a bit of background. Um, so, Mike, starting with your good self, can you tell us a bit about your background and your journey to Aviva and where yeah. you are today? Yeah, so I, I started with what was Norwich Union back in uh, September 2001. So, Actually, a few, uh, a couple of weeks after after 9/11, actually, um, being that it's yeah. uh, quite topical at the moment, um, I had a f- few years in various products and marketing roles, and this uh, and this thing called the Lifetime Platform came along. I think it was about 2006. <laughs> at that time, it was pretty obvious to me that platforms were the future. You know, bringing it all together, an integrated uh, package for the customer, just made total sense to me. Um, that proposition didn't go so well. Um, and at the time, um, Standard Life had a platform uh, and I got a job offer from them and uh, I, I, off I went to Edinburgh. Um, that was 2008. Um, yep. And I was there for, well, you know, a good piece more than 10 years, so more than a decade. Fast forward through RDR, the platform rules, um, the acquisition integration of Elevate, uh, various you know roles around the platform proposition opportunity to come back and lead the development of the Aviva platform after the FNZ migration. Bam. Great news. Okay. And that's an interesting fet of journey there. And uh, Tim, how about your good self? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, Chris, I spent um, a lot of my time in the sales environment, both in a regional and national level back at LNG. Uh, I then went through the, um, uh, the CU, CGNU, Aviva, um, um, transition, if you like, but going back to sales time, yeah, it was it was a great time. Obviously, back in those days, there was all sorts of uh, you know competitions and all that kind of stuff, and uh, being kind of the new boy, um, you know, at that time, um, it was wonderful. It was blooming challenging on some days, and obviously, yeah. I learned a lot in those days. But um, by the time we came to kind of two thousand two, two thousand three, um, there was an opportunity coming up to move into this world of e-commerce, to use an expression of back in those days, and e-commerce development. Management um, and there was many people apply for the, for the role, and um, chuffed a bit, so I got the role. And I remember back in those that time, Chris, that um, many of the guys in different roles in the sales world said that's absolutely the place to be. 
and it so was the place to be and it still is today and uh, you know, I'm really delighted to be talking to, to yourself and Mike today because um, you know, there is so much opportunity uh, that we have uh, in the industry. It's incredible. Yeah, we, we thought it was opportunity 20 years ago, but today it's even more vast and, uh, and, and exciting as well. So Yeah, great. And, and I'll ask you a bit more um, about that in, in, in a little while. One, one of the things that our listeners always like to hear is about you know, career challenges and, and uh, how, how you've overcome them. And Mike, you've mentioned one, I don't know if it was a challenge, you, you, you might, it might not have been, but uh, the FNZ onboarding, um, you know, that, that kind of like replatforming word is kind mm. of like viewed as shock horror, like open heart surgery, if yeah. you like, uh, one to be avoided. But um, c- can you just tell us a little bit about um, that, that yeah. process and, well, and what, what your key learnings are? Yeah, so I came to it after the replatforming. Um, okay. So yeah, the process itself, I wasn't, I wasn't part of. I, I, aftermath. Um, I think the, I mean, the interesting thing about that, there was obviously a huge amount of vivid feedback from various quarters about what the platform should and shouldn't be doing. Um, from you know whether that's advisors, customers, our risk colleagues, uh, you know, everybody had a view. Um, yeah, and there's a risk in that environment when you've got so many opinions that you get a little bit overwhelmed by the the task in front of you. And I think what we what we had to do, we had to sit down and do really rather carefully was, you know, between all of that noise, what was the platform specified to do? What is its minimum set of commitments to the customer? Um, what do people expect it to do? And the two are often quite different. Um, and then third, what what is it that people want it to do in the future? Um, and yeah. we had to sit and go through that quite methodically just to separate, you know, what's the urgent things we need to get right for the customer? We've made a commitment. We need to fulfill it perfect versus what's a, what's for the future. And just trying to get that that discipline and structure over it so that you just tackle things in the right order. And, uh, you know, and I think that was a real... Yeah, real experience going through that, trying to trying to decipher all that noise. I think in the end we, we've you know, we've got there, but a lot of um, persistence and care and thought required from the team to to navigate all of that decent result. But yeah, definitely a challenge. Uh, you know, with all the noise going on in the market at the time. I can imagine, yeah, and that that obviously is a, a granular deep dive into high, you know, into strategic thinking. I can imagine um, and planning and project planning extraordinaire to get that yeah. uh, to get that implement implemented. Tim, Tim, what about your good self? Any career challenges that you'd like to uh, to bring to the fore? Yeah, I was here for that uh, FNZ migration. So, um, you know, certainly from my perspective, probably the biggest challenge, and it really was the biggest challenge of my working life at that point. Um, because obviously there was a, um, one of the key challenges we faced, Chris, was um, getting the right level of data out to yeah. intermediary firms, large and small, networks, etc., to enable them to actually uh, make the relevant um, advisor fee payments. And obviously because the, the, the data, um, we were having problems getting the data out to enable those um, reconciliations to happen, um, it was, un- <laughs> I probably can't get it across well enough this afternoon, but it was incredibly challenging because obviously you've got a lot of data there. You've got to be careful with the data. You've got to make sure you know, you're sending the, the data to the right people, of course, and it's all you know secure, etc. 
Um, and obviously, you know, these people talk about people's wages here, you know, the, the, the advisor charge fees, etc. Yeah. So it really was a massive challenge, Chris. And, and uh, you know, at that point, um, I was working with guys I'd worked with for a long time. And thankfully, I had, you know, a really great working relationship um you know and it was really important at that time to mm. literally to take a wonder off down the garden or you know outside the office i don't smoke but take a little wonder out <laughs> to, to kind of reset the your brain reset the batteries um to get back in there and carry on and uh, obviously went on for quite some time mm. but it, it was challenging but um you know um there were people who had more, more, way more challenges than i had but even that was really significant when you're talking about you know a payment of fees etc it was very challenging indeed but thank you. we got we got through it so uh, in a good way as well so which is yeah great. absolutely well you're in a very good good uh, space at the moment that's mm. for sure and what i guess this is a, more of a question for mike but um just focusing on the the platform industry as a whole um obviously there's lots of acquisitions going on at the moment you have the latest with james hay and Eucalyptus and so mm. forth i mean what, what where would you say the industry's heading at this moment in time is, is it is it severe consolidation or expansion where would you where would you see the platform industry going Mike? Yeah it's, 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 it's a good time to be in the platform business and, and the advice business I would stress that and we've yep. seen lots of money coming in from various quarters to invest in this industry because people know that it's um, and I think that will continue I think pension freedom has set in train a, you know, an environment where people want to take control of their money uh, as individuals and will want and need advice and platforms to do that so i think i think it's um i think we're in a good place it's easy to to define the market in or attempting to define the market in those terms of its consolidation uh or its um kind of um yeah, consolidation or it's going to be lots of firms you know new firms setting up as i think yeah. unfortunately it's more complicated than that um, I think what we're seeing, and the way I, you know, I, to use a consultancy term, think about it as an ecosystem, and it's mm -hmm. not just platforms. There are advice firms, there are third-party practice management systems, there are tools, all sorts of bits of technology and groups, DFMs, etc. Um, they all need to cooperate to help people. And I think what yep. we're going to see is increasingly how people compete. I believe will be the the positive contribution system that they're in um, yep. now some platforms will want to do that by owning and controlling the ecosystem and they'll want to build more and more stuff or that by opening their data and letting other people in to enhance the platform experience and and the wider advice um journey for for advisors and customers so i think we'll see lots of different forms of competition Smaller platforms, mm -hmm. you know, joining up with te you know smaller technology providers. Larger platforms joining up with smaller technology providers, and platforms just trying to to do to do more, and other actors trying to do more in the process. You know, and, you know, running platforms, etc. So I think it's going to be quite dynamic and lots of moving parts. But the central theme being, I think, around this idea of an ecosystem, and and you being rewarded for the positive part you play in an ecosystem. You know, rather necessarily than trying to dominate um, yeah. you know, the whole thing. I think you're right. I think, you know, our, <clears throat> obviously our biggest, you know, um, kind of like um, motivation regarding reg tech is, is all about that everything's connected um, and, and nothing is, you know, we're trying to move away from silo. So 
for example, what we do is we we integrate with back office solutions, um, so we can actually streamline regulatory reports and pull that, you know, and, and actually move into a, a world of what we call data lakes, where everything's connected, um, single source of truth using management speak. But I think the interesting thing there is is that what you're saying is effectively that you know built well uh, and effect you know and effectively then 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 the platform will be a you know a high level of an like what we call an enabler tool enabler yeah. platform so that things get done faster quicker better more professionally uh for, for the end user which at the end of the day is the clients you know yeah. and obviously making the client's um, journey far more easier and effectively effective from that point of view and this this moves us on quite nicely into the area of you know we're coming some people say we're still in it and i certainly do believe we're still in it but we've got the pandemic going on um so that's a massive challenge what you've got now as i'm sure you know with the fca is they're pushing um the um the industry in and around uh, resilience and we yeah. have the new resilience rules coming through in yeah we're in the implementation period at the moment they come through in march 2022 um just be interested in 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 the aviva's views on the yeah. pandemic challenge and resilient you know resilience issues that, that the industry now faces yeah i mean i th i think the pandemic in in the culture was probably the, the greatest test that we've experienced in recent time yeah. um uh Let's hope it's the strongest test we'll receive for some time in the future. Um, yeah. and I think to that extent, you, you know, it did the minds of platforms you know, around their ability to just keep running. And uh, you know, in our case, the, 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 immediate, the immediate challenge was how do you get a load of people that are typically based in an office, the equipment that they need to operate at home? I think in the early days of the pandemic, it was consumed, you know, a lot of effort and thought was consumed in just in that task. Um, I yeah. think that's now that. So that issue will not be an issue um, going forward. Uh, other things um, like the amount of paper we still rely on. I think again through the pandemic, we've certainly that we've introduced signatures. We've got a paperless option. We've extended the paperless option on the platform. We yeah. are working with the firms that we we um, transfer money to and from uh, other platforms to eradicate checks because they still float around. It's deeply frustrating. Mm -hmm. A lot of that has been driven out. So that's all good, positive news, but it, it only goes... The, the task that we're engaged in at the moment as we come towards this new regu newer regulation uh, and the regulator scrutiny, it's just thinking very carefully about all of the journeys that we have upon which customers and advisors rely to deliver the outcome. Um, yeah. So that's new business journeys, that's existing business journeys, switching, you know, uh, getting your money out, um, putting your money in, all of those things, all of those journeys. And then we've done a series of scenario tests against those journeys, vulnerabilities, whether those vulnerabilities are caused by you know, potential shortages of people or technology um and then you then there's two things that flow from that one is if something happens how do you recover it and how quickly can you recover it the second part then is um is how you uh survive while you're recovering it how do you keep going what's the yeah. process you have i think both are pretty pretty key um so yeah having those so having all of that for each of our key journeys and also knowing which of our journeys are the most critical, prioritizing them, I yeah. think has been you know, really, really key to us. And then taking the steps to strengthen strengthen our resilience around that. But it is a massive task. Mm. That right. And a lot of detail and thought goes into it. 
Um, but you feel much better on the other side of it, actually, because you now know yeah. where some of your, your, your challenges are going to come from. Yeah, absolutely. And mapping it out is, is essentially that strategic thinking again. It sounds like you've done a lot of great work there. And uh, I think that will help enormously when, you know, it's, it's obviously, you know, focused on the enhanced SMCR firms, for example. But yeah. what we look at it, you know, we've just released our um, our resilience, operational resilience paper. And what we're saying in there is that actually it's good practice for all firms. Um, to, to take a look at because obviously Aviva platform will be an important business service for example and it, it's, it's going to be really really great for these firms to know that you've done all that hard work um, for, for them from that point of view and that brings us on quite nicely a question to both of you I guess is that what are the biggest challenges you know Aviva platforms IFAs are facing right now and how are you guys helping them do you want to go them? Yeah, I'll go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thanks, Mike. Yeah, yeah, Chris, thanks for the question. Yeah, really, really extremely topical question. Yeah, I think from my perspective in my kind of role at Aviva, um, you know, the biggest challenge to IFA firms, whether they're big, small, national, regional, is actually the amount of technology that's available. Um, yeah. Because, it, you know, for many of these businesses, uh, you know, some of these businesses, are, you know, have been in, in existence for many, many years, you know, um, several decades in, in some cases. It's the amount of technology and what on earth do they do to, to embrace this new world of digital. Um, and that's a challenge. Um, and also, Chris, I think the other thing as well is, is from an, um, an FA's perspective, like the MD or whatever, from an FA's perspective, is taking the time away from the business, out of the business, yep. to understand, you know, what do you want to achieve in the future? Now, again, I said earlier, you know, that there is so much technology available today. And many are, many uh, FA firms, you know, presumably listen to this podcast today, will be, you know, have some uh, a great CRM solution that has lots of integrated software. But yeah. how on earth do we, how on earth do we bring that into the business and understand it? And very often, it, it is a simple case of having that kind of uh, a conversation with the intermediary involving the Aviva BDM, uh, and just really understanding and mapping out what are their top ten priorities to get from the software. The paying for or they're yep. looking to engage in the future but also chris taking a step back to understand where are the real where are the pain points in our business where can we make it more efficient than what we do today and that's one of the you know, kind of conversations i have with many of our colleagues in distribution around kind of um passing on knowledge to those guys are helping to have those business consultancy type conversations with the intermediary firm to try and really support them to understand you know what should be our next steps because it can be you know quite overwhelming for for many organizations um in terms of what's out there today so it's trying to bring it down to basics and literally again would you believe a piece of paper out mm -hmm. and listing out you know 10 um uh, aspects of your business you want to improve or 10 aspects or and um 10 aspects that you really want to achieve from, from the software you're using and just to finish off there chris and one thing that aviva have today we have got um seven integrated solutions that provide data back to the intermediary via the software they are using and i think our contract inquiry service that for the bonds and pensions is something like 16 17 years old there but as you can imagine now chris nowadays you know we generate upwards of 2.6 million um uh, request so responses to requests for valuations through the software they're using so it's a really big service for us and the great thing is 
that drives a significant amount of client data back to the intermediary to, to help them support them digitize their business in a more effective and more efficient way yeah. uh, with the clients with you know with the client in mind of course Absolutely, 100%. And that's the key to it, isn't it? The client front and center from that side of it. And, and having that data is crucial. And, you know, obviously, we, you know, the, the, the phraseology around data is the new oil and gold or yeah. whatever. Is, yeah. it, it, it is. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, obviously, in our world, in reg tech, you know, at the end of the day, if, if you haven't got correct MI on your governance, risk and compliance yeah. requirements, then you're going to be uh, in, in trouble. Um, I guess bringing Mike back in here, I mean, what 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 we focus on at Model Office is obviously the regulatory issues, as, as mm. I mentioned, governance risk and, and compliance. What would you say, you know, your firms are, ta- you know, IFAs are tackling through the Aviva platform? Because at the end of the day, it's still re- raining regulations. And we've just talked about the operational resilience yeah. stuff. We've, we, we, we've got, you know, the, the, the FCA consumer investment strategy, which is now coming mm-hmm. through, which is almost like RDR2, if you like, or three. Yeah. The way you look at it, you, you you've had, as you've mentioned, um, you know, you've got the um, the pension um, stuff that's come through, and and obviously product governance, the, mm-hmm. the client segmentation piece. I mean, what would you say are are, are the key regulatory issues that at least either in helping your your firms um, yeah. comply with? Thanks. I'll start with a generic answer, then I'll drill yep. into something specific because we we haven't mentioned the ESG acronym yet. So absolutely, yeah. So um, I think generally what you know. The, the, platform and that we in particular want to help uh, advisors with are those that you know t- to the earlier point require the data and the mi the point of a platform is to oversee and maintain far more customer arrangements than is possible in a kind of standalone product environment it gives you that ability to bring it together see how all the different pieces are moving and manage it consistently so whether that is outsourcing the model portfolio or running a model portfolio, getting a consistency across customers, uh, keeping their portfolios in line with their appetite for risk, um, tracking a customer's activity in drawdown uh, as it should be. They're not withdrawing too much money, providing reporting for that. Reporting around costs and charges disclosure so we see exactly what they're paying to whom and where and can tackle where that's too expensive. So in g- general terms, it's about reporting it's about information and oversight uh, you know as much as it's about actually cranking the handle in terms of letting somebody trade it, it, it is about that view the specific that I'll, I'll kind of flag because i think this is the one that i think is most immediate certainly in my mind at the moment is around esg um now we are waiting for and believe is imminent we're going to find out what the fca is going to do in terms of implementing of the eu sfdr regime this is the disclosure regime um, that's in the EU. They've said that's going to be roughly the, the same level of ambition as the EU SFDR. That has had a massive impact on the investment market in the EU. Yeah. Half of all funds flows were into what they call Article 8 and 9 funds. So those are funds that have made a specific binding commitment to ESG. So what we've seen in Europe through that regulation is a huge shift towards um, towards ESG. There'll be the requirements coming around, you know, coming through. We expect from the FCA around understanding a customer's ESG. Um, yeah. and we've seen the regulator's letter to fund groups about um, greenwashing. So the fact that they're launching funds that uh, and promoting funds as ESG without really being clear about exactly how they stand up to that ESG commitment. So the piece of work we're due to go live in October um, and we wanted to move before the regulation was about 
is about taking the data that we have about um, clients' underlying holdings, not just at fund level, but at individual equity, uh, taking all of that data um, and then marrying that with data that's available through analytics, et cetera, about the ESG performance of those in terms of climate change, whether that's term, in terms of board diversity, wastewater, and create a report that allows an advisor to see actually what is the real ESG performance of, of a portfolio. Yep. Um, and what we also, so the first phase of that is you know, to be able to go and look at how a portfolio is performing on six themes, including climate change and others. Um, the second phase of that will be turning that into something more customer facing with a bit of advisor feedback with the ultimate aim of allowing advisors to understand the customer's preferences and then look at how they can make changes in the portfolio to meet those preferences. So what if and how? Yeah. So we're on yeah. the first phase that's, of um, Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really smart stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah absolutely. And that, that's, I mean, highly topical, obviously. But, yeah. but the most important thing is, is when you've got <clears throat> advisors out there thinking, you know, quite cryptically and probably rightly so i used to be an advisor so i can kind of kind of like understand that but you know we've got all this regulation coming through you've got the esg stuff as we've talked about operation resilience you've got the vulnerable clients which is tied into everything for, i guess across yeah. the whole spectrum of of, of, of of regulations it's how are the market participants and in this particular case aviva are going to help us and i think you've just illustrated there mike really well how you guys are working hard on behalf of your firms to get them up to speed on all this and make sure that they're going to comply. I think that's going to be priceless um, for sure. Um, so moving on to Tim, mm. um, I was privileged to be invited onto your FinTech Friday a couple of months ago, which I really, really enjoyed. And we talked about RegTech yeah, um, internally. Just tell us a bit more about your, your FinTech Fridays and, and, the, and what, what, uh, what, what, you know, what value does that bring to you as a business and so forth? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, Chris. Thank you. Yeah, and thanks for coming on to FinTech Fridays. It's um, it's been amazing because we've had um, well over a thousand logins now to these internal sessions we've had within yep. November. And the reason why they came about, Chris, was because um, you know, clearly the, the days of well, the days when I was doing the life inspector type role, the the broker consultant type role, the whole BDM role today is really changing so much in terms of having you know much greater knowledge around not only the Aviva technology, i.e. the platform but also other technologies that the advisor firm will be using. And there's a real big demand from our colleagues in distribution around knowing more about this stuff. And it was clear to me that you know, the number of emails and Teams calls, Teams meetings, et cetera, that I was having, there was definitely an opportunity to kind of do a, a more kind of relaxed, informal sessions around technology, which can be a tad boring, depending on how you put it over. <laughs> but um, but it, you know, it's gone down a storm. And, and then really the whole point behind that is to you know, really provide um, great support, greater uh, information and knowledge for our uh, guys and girls in, in distribution to have that more con business consultancy type conversation with the intermediary rather yep. than talking about funds and products because that is, yes, it's, of course, that's incredibly important to do that. But also today, the world is about digital. It is about technology and trying to make the role more relevant to today than perhaps, you know, last year or even three years ago. It's uh, made quite a bit of difference. And we're also, you know, delighted 
delighted to have guys unlike yourself, Chris, and other external guests to to come in from their perspective, to sometimes uh, demonstrate what they actually do in terms of their software, but also just to talk over you know the key issues in the industry that impacts both technology, the intermediary, and perhaps more important, the clients. So mm. yeah, well, I'm delighted. So we've had a um, season two's then kicked off, and and it was great to have Mike on board uh, for the first one a couple of weeks back, and that was fantastic, and got some lovely, lovely feedback from that. But again, the, yeah, again, Chris, you know, the whole point of them is to raise the bar in terms of everybody's awareness about technology and what it can bring and the value and the benefits it can bring to an intermediary business. Uh, and that's really the driver behind it. Great stuff. Thanks for that. That's very, very interesting stuff. And I have to say, it was a really, really good session we had with your guys um, when we were on it. A um, couple of, Thanks. I guess, Thanks. final questions. Um, I guess this will probably go to Mike. Um, one of the, I think our second or third guest, I can't remember now, um, I think it was our third guest actually, uh, was uh, Nick, Nick Etock from Intelliflow. Mm. And the question I put to Nick, as you can imagine, was are you going to become a platform um, with Invesco Perpetual um, effectively uh, buying the business? Uh, and of course, you know, Nick um, quite rightly said, no, they're, they're staying as the, the, the back office and practice management solution. But I mean, question really is around how do you see platforms evolving uh, and becoming a disruptor in the, in, the, in the, do you see, you know, becoming disruptor in the practice management market going the other way? Uh, and final question, I guess, tied into that is where do you see the business yeah. in five years? Yeah, the, yeah, the, and the, Chris, what's on? So, um, yeah, I think, do we see platforms disrupting? I mean, I, th I think I alluded this to this earlier. Um, yeah, I, I think entering into a period where actually there is going to be quite a bit of disruption in the systems that I spoke about earlier. Um, and we've got lots of parts of the, you know, to use all the jargon, lots of different players on the value chain trying to uh, get in on other parts of the value chain their revenue streams and that's you know that that's a normal part of competition i think what's different at the moment uh, or, or what's becoming increasingly different is the is the um yeah now, i the big theme for me that's in the background and has been rumbling away for probably five you know probably five or ten years at least but it's really starting to accelerate is what i describe as open data um yeah and that's the that's the belief that I share that actually data doesn't belong to a system. Data, the customer that to which that data pertains. So, um, and the regulator shares that view. So, pension dashboard is the first phase of that, and we'll see lots of data being opened up around around pensions throughout the industry. Uh, there's something called open finance going on in the background. Now, what that what that essentially does is it you know it's to your point about data being the new oil, it makes so I think what that what that essentially means is it opens up competition in ways. So currently, if I think about our relationships with practice management, um, where we are uh, investing quite a sum of money and have invested quite a sum of money to release data to those um, systems on a point-to-point -point basis, um, going forward, we're not going to need to do that. Um, because we can open APIs and, uh, and and use various things like the Origo Integration Hub to make that data more freely available. For example, we've opened up our transaction history to Intelliflow, but we've opened it up to the Origo Integration Hub. And any firm that wanted to integrate our transaction history through there and the right agreements. So, um, yeah. and what that means is 
actually the opportunity for new entrants is greater than it's ever been and will only get greater. Um, mm -hmm. I think the, the, the task then for platforms is, uh, you know, as I said earlier, is, is can we take advantage of that? Um, so uh, how can we partner nimble and innovative perhaps than we are or some of the market incumbents how, you know how can we open that up and i think you know yeah so i think there's big opportunities there but there are big risks and threats as well because it allows mm -hmm. them to come in and, and do that as well so so i don't see platforms you know going into practice management because i think that's um you know that that's kind of continuing that monolithic system thinking of you know i'm going to try and own all of it what I do see, though, is disruption and different partnerships emerging that will you know, create some interesting competition for, for incumbents, whether they're platforms or practice management systems or fund groups or anybody else for that matter. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's going to be a fascinating few years from that perspective, and you know, certainly want to be the right side of that. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Well, look, chaps, thanks so much for your time. We've, unfortunately, I could go on because there's so much rich information here. Um, but um, I have to say, it's been a great discussion from our side and hopefully you both um, en enjoyed it. What, what we'll, um, we'll now do is we'll um, top and tail it our side and then uh, it will go out to, to all our advisors. We've got well over a thousand listeners signed up now, which is great news. Um, so that's all to the good. So it just remains me to, to thank you. Good self, Mike and Tim um Fresh, Chris. For, for a great great episode and um what we'll now do is we'll get it up and uh, on the system and then uh, we'll get it uh, published so thank thanks you. so much for your time today chaps cheers thank you yeah. again, chris. cheers chris thanks ever so much take care all right bye-bye Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, really good having our first platform provider on uh, one of these uh, sessions and lots of rich uh, material in there. Um, particularly, I thought um, around, obviously, the compliance challenges the industry is continuing to face. Yes, it's running regulations, but there's lots and lots of enabler platforms and tools that firms can use to help them meet those challenges uh, and continue to operate and be successful. Um, one of the key challenges Mike uh, mentioned was the ESG um, issue and the disclosure regime and how that is really taking off now in the EU and how obviously Aviva are helping um, their um, advisors and uh, users really come to terms with that and also most importantly meet their regulatory requirements around that. It's, an, it's a very new concept it's an ever-changing concept very dynamic um, but it's great to see um, that uh, Aviva have um, taken initiative there and are innovating their platform accordingly you've also got the issues that Mike mentioned um, and Tim around um, the ecosystem and I think it's great that Mike really particularly focused on the fact that Aviva are part of the ecosystem they're not trying to control everything um, and I think that's the way forward we talk a lot about data lakes and single source of truth and Data, as Mike said, is not owned by uh, by any particular firm. It's owned by the client, really, at the end of the day. So from that point of view, I thought it was great to, to learn more about Aviva's approach on being an enabler platform um, uh, and, and being part of the value chain, if you, if you like, um, for advisor firms to service their clients. Um, other areas uh, that I thought w w was interesting 
well, was particularly around you know what Aviva's plans are uh, and obviously to enhance technology um, to make sure um, the data flows, that open data um, flows through the system that we've talked about, helping advisor firms with the ongoing regulatory challenges, particularly around, as we've talked about, the ESG, but also the, the pension dashboard uh, solution that's coming to the fore at the moment. Um, and of course, you know, other issues surrounding key issues like vulnerable clients, product governance, uh, the good old prod stuff. Um, certainly what we're seeing there from, from the platform market is, is, is certainly Aviva at the forefront of, of, of managing that and offering solutions for advisor firms. So a fantastic session. We really enjoyed it. Um, I hope you do too. And please do listen out for more podcasts which are coming up uh, on this particular channel. Thanks for listening.